For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 330 of This Old Marketing for Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. It's my birthday, and I'm working, as I always am. (laughs) And with me is my good friend, my colleague, and the rooster to my maverick, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? That's that's one of the better openings. First of all, happy birthday. Aw, thank you. I am there's no greater thrill than to be recording this old marketing on your birthday, old man. So this is yeah. what a treat for go. you, right? What a what a treat. Oh, what a thrill. This what is, a thrill it is. This is for the me. birthday gift that he keeps giving for <laughs> sixty minutes, let's let's say. Let's say <laughs> Exactly. Exactly right. The reason, of course, that we're doing this. Uh, is because you were kind enough to shift your schedule to do this early because I'm going to try and take a few days off. I, you know, I'm going to try and take advantage of the long weekend and and we're going to get out of town and do some fun things on my birthday and sort of get to the beach and and I'm going to step away from the I'm going to step away from PowerPoint for a bit. So, um yeah, as I'm, well I'm excited you should for that. Uh, you know what? You have to be honest, you've been in PowerPoint way too much lately. It's <laughs> it's an issue. We almost, uh, you know, I almost had to break up that party. <laughs> Inter- an intervention, <laughs> a PowerPoint, PowerPoint intervention. intervention. You yes. know, it hasn't been the first time. You know, it's happened. No, it, no, it it's not happened. the first. To, to you. And it won't be the last. To you, yes. <laughs> you, know, some, you know, when you get on your consulting roles and your speaking role, which, you know, you had a good couple months of stuff that you were doing, you, that's, you start getting a little wacky, PowerPoint wacky. Like, like, wacky, uh, you know, wacky, I do. I, I absolutely do. And what happens is I get, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody else has this. Maybe you, I, I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but what happens when I get that sort of, that sort of, I can feel it in my body. I start getting overwhelmed and I stop making my lists. I stop writing in my journal. I stop, you know, and I start doing thrashy work and I can feel myself in that thrash. And it's, I just, I, I, I have now come to recognize it. I used to not recognize it, but now I recognize it and I go, okay, it's time to step away from, you know, for a few days just to sort of recharge the batteries. It's good. You can recognize that a lot of content creators can't, or they just power through and sometimes they just go down a, a deep, dark hole that, that you know what, and you good. know, what's so funny is, is, is that it, that's exactly it. And it was actually the, the, the thing that actually helped me the most figure that out was one of my, one of my spiritual mentors, um, someone who I talked to a lot about, you know, just sort of life and, and all of that. He said to me, you have two choices when you're in that state, which is you can power through stuff. In other words, you can force things to happen. And he said, what that does is it just ultimately mentally drains you physically drains you and and really doesn't get you any further you know it's almost like when you're in a dream and you're trying to push your way through that sort of sludge and the more you push against it the harder it gets and or you can just start allowing right you can start allowing for and be aware and self-aware of what's happening in your life and have gratitude for it and all of those kinds of things and ultimately you end up in a much better place, but it 
it takes effort to actually stop putting forth the effort. You know what I mean? You have to actually physically, in some cases, pull yourself away from it to actually understand, you know, how to how how you can sort of take a breath and just let the world sort of go by and and you know and and take a break from it. My, I think that's all wonderful advice, especially for somebody going through it. I have to look at what I'm doing for a couple days and, and then I say, what do I want to really stop doing and what do I want to focus on? That's where I get it. But it t- right. the problem That's is right. I'm in that funk for a couple days until I can figure out the action because immediately I want to take action. Of course. Then I'm you like, want to I fix don't it? really yeah. know what's the right thing. What should I do? What should I stop doing? And then generally, it's things you need to stop doing so you can focus on the things that you love, that you're good at, that are really making an impact. That's where it's the couple days of funk that I just, oh, I want to get through that to the action stage. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and yeah, and getting through that funk is the, and that's when, you know, that's, if you can recognize that and sort of step away and just sort of go through that funk and sort of not worry about the action, the, I find that the action comes a little easier. You know, a couple of things that I want to talk about before we get to the news, but I don't know. Yeah. We have a, there's a special guest that just walked in and wanted to say happy birthday. So hold on, hold on. Oh, wait. Hello, Robert. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Okay, get away, get away. Sorry, I had to do that. I was given money. Oh to do, <laughs> I was given money to do my early in the morning. To do Elmo. Elmo. Thank you, Elmo. Which, by yes, the way, it's always better after. You didn't have to talk. cameo that, which is which is which is really cool. You that that didn't come from cameo. Nope. Elmo was actually there. That was I mean, Elmo three cups yeah. in. The Cup, a cups of coffee. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cups I was of gonna... coffee in into that. But Elmo, Elmo, Elmo in two cu- re- Elmo in two cups is a whole different video that we don't want to go look up. But yeah, Elmo in two cups. That's a great band name, by the way. And Elmo now, in two cups. Elmo in the two cups. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. No, we yes. Should, we, we, should, we we digress. We do digress <laughs> on my birthday. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. I don't think we're going to cover it here because this is a, a marketing and media show. But you even asked me. Yeah. Like, there's a lot that happened in the last week in the national news in the United States. Ugh. Do we need to to cover any of this? And we probably shouldn't cover it. But, you know, it's just our heart goes out to a lot of people that are dealing with a lot of stuff right now. So, yeah, I think you can acknowledge the anger, the fear, um, and know that... You know, one of the things that uh, I find troubling is that I don't feel like I want to put, I don't, for me, Facebook is not the place to express my outrage mm-hmm. and, and my, um, you know, I have for anyone, by the way, for that, for anyone. Well, I, for those who need the gestalt, I totally get yeah, no, it. I, do. I, I totally do. understand it, that they, that they need to vent and, 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 and protest and, and, and all those kinds of things. And I absolutely understand that. And I'm there. Um, you know, I mean, I've, I mean, look, I'm old enough that, uh, you know, I mean, when I was in college, I marched for, you know, for abortion rights. And, uh, you know, and, and I was at these protests in the early 80s. And so it's not that I'm saying I've done my part, so therefore I'm not going to say anything. But what I understand 
now as where, but you know, I, I, it's for me, it's not going to be, it's not going to be expressing outrage on Facebook. I have other ways that I'm trying to help, um, that are not necessarily more public. And so when I say I, you know, I, I get it, I understand, and I'm hopefully, hopefully, hopefully helping, um, you know, I'm working, you know, and I just, you know, I totally, I'm with you there where it's like, you know, we can acknowledge it. I'm not sure this show is the the best appropriate place to, to have the discussion because it's not really our thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I totally, I understand and empathetic. I think the thing, the, to just make it personal for a little bit, this, what I'm struggling with is talking to and dealing with my children about this. Yeah. They are, oh my gosh. Yeah. They, yeah, I, right. they took it much more serious and personal than I anticipated. You know, you don't, when, when you're talking about video games in the next, you know, Obi-Wan release, and then all of a sudden it gets very deep and dark and they're concerned. I mean, so I, I, I'm glad about that. I'm glad that they're they're listening to that. What's going on in the world about that? But then, talking to them, uh, which they, you know, it's very they have a very defeatist point of view that they don't think it can be fixed by voting or by marching, or they. But they don't know what you know. And I'm, we're just talking. We're just listening, which is all. Yeah, which absolutely. Is all I'm trying to do. At this point, well, you know, it's it's it. They they have well, they have a point. You know, I mean, it it is it is a very difficult and a very complex issue. Not necessarily because I I was listening to. I mean, here we are saying we're not going to talk about it, and we're talking about it. Um, but but I was listening to this constitutional scholar, and she uh, she writes for the New York Times. And it's a great article. Maybe I'll try and find it and we can put it in the show notes. But it, but the articles that she was talking about was, you know, the it wasn't that they, you know, overturned the decision. It was the, you know, it was, as she put it, the sort of, sort of, you know, breathtaking arrogance, and that's a quote, that, that they would, that they felt that they needed to. And that's what I, I think is, is so good you know, is so galling at the same time as interesting because what that leads you to believe is that it is a state of mind that we're talking about here. And it's not the last that we're going to see of this court doing these kinds of things. So it begs the question of, cause it's like, okay, even putting this decision aside for a moment, what do you, you know, what does the future hold? And so what are we really you know, when we, you know, rage against the machine, as it were, what are we really raging against? And we just need to be clear-eyed about that because this is, you know, if if this is a slippery slope and we need to make sure we don't slip. No, I, I think that's, and that's where my kids were coming from that they're, they were even, they even said this, they're concerned about their basic human rights. Yeah, moving forward, and they should. And be. I can't absolutely. And, yeah, and I can't tell them that that's unfounded because yeah, they, it's, if if you if you read some of what the the uh, the t- Scotus team has been um, talking about, is that right, Scotus? No, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, yeah, yeah you got uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Then 
then there is there there is a door left open. At least some of them have said there's a door left open for other things to come, and that's that's a scary place to be, especially for the youth of America and and well, all of us, frankly. And by yeah. the way, I'm well, sorry. it's I'm, you know, I mean, it comes down to, I mean, the the thing it comes down to, is, I you know, it's so funny. I have a whole, I've got a two thousand word blog post that I wrote over the weekend, and I just went. Yeah, I read it and I read it again and then I read it again on Sunday morning and I was like, I'm taking the temperature of the room right now and it's not the right time for me to post this um, because it's 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 exactly this right. It it goes into thinking like, what are we? What's next? Basically, what do we do next? And and so just to your point, it's like you know what what your kids. And what we can do is start to understand concepts like substantive due process, right? Which is the basis by which these judges made this this overturn, which basically says substantive due process is, you know, it's the 14th Amendment, which is ostensibly saying anything that isn't enumerated in the Constitution goes back to the states. And if the and the states can't make any laws that are that you know that provide you know they have to do it within the due process of law. So what you have is you have stuff like abortion and interracial marriage and LGBTQ rights and things that have been decided by the Supreme Court that have not been codified into national law. And they're they and but the Supreme Court has weighed a decision on it, and so the Supreme Court is now going back and saying, hey, the original decision overreached its you know, it's federal, uh, you know, mandate and basically made legislation. And that was really at the core of the argument of Alito's argument is, is that he, he, he basically said that they, you know, the, the original Roe court made legislation about, you know, about abortion and they didn't have the right to do that. And it was an, as he said, egregiously wrong hmm. decision, Interesting. which is, you know, again, separating out the actual debate for a moment about, you know, the thing the thing we have to be concerned about is is that those other decisions are also made on the same basis. And so I've already seen some news articles coming through that Congress and and Pelosi and the Democrats are thinking about, you know, codifying some of these other laws like loving and and inter, uh, interracial marriage and as well as things like, you know, LGBTQ rights and gay marriage and other decisions that have been made there, but that's what we can fight for as citizens as young people to codify these you know these rights that have been decided by the courts codify them into law make them an act you know give congress you know to hold congress responsible and our votes responsible for having them set these things these decisions into codified law so that we don't end up here again that's i think that's that is the energy that we need to I forward. hope. I hope. I, I. What I don't want to come across as is like I'm trying to mansplain something, or you know, or or get you know. I don't want that energy. I, I'm certainly conscious of that, and I. But but I'm. You know my. <laughs> you know it's the strategist in me, right? That I mean, I, it gets my. You know that's where that's where my head goes, right? It's like I want to fix it, right? Just to, just to our point that we were talking about ten minutes ago with our own lives. You know, I want. Okay, great. Let's yell and scream and get our anger out. But then, what do we do? Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of like the thoughts and prayers, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Enough with the thoughts and prayers. We need right. to actually take action. 
at this point. Yeah. So, and again, yeah. yeah. Uh, so for those of you expecting a, a marketing and media podcast, we're yeah, going to be, exactly. be getting to that right now, yeah, right. but I'll tell you, sorry right, for I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shoot, we're, 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 neither of us are qualified to talk about a lot of these no. things, but I have the yeah. book 1984 right in front of me. Yeah. My favorite. And I always think of when, when a decision is made in the United States like this, I always look to that because it only takes one small sliver to insert itself into what's going on, and then you can see a, a rolling list of other decisions to take away human rights. And I, I mean, <laughs> you could say it's science fiction, but part of it's already here. We just have to be careful. Yeah, it it, it about is here. over about it is here. yeah about about over the overreach of some of these things. So yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, we I, you know what? About, Let's glad we didn't talk yeah. about any of that. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad we avoided the whole topic altogether. I think yeah, I brought it job. up. It's my fault. I'll, yeah. I'll take uh, the No, no, no. That. It's good. Uh, you just yeah, enjoy it's, your it's, birthday. It's, Don't think about any of these large, you know, socioeconomic, basic living life issues. You just yeah, enjoy yeah. Robert's yeah, you just, birthday. <laughs> you go be a narcissist you just, for yeah, a day. You just think about you today. And not yeah, all the crazy, like the really important yeah. things going on in the world. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, you, there, I mean, I know you saved it specifically for my birthday, but there's actually something important that you uh, birthed today, uh, that the Tilt birthed today. And we should talk about that because that is really the core and top story of our news here. Yes. Well, I can talk about that. Did you want to do your overview? Like, do you want to talk I do. about all the things yes, we're going to talk about? Yes, I do. About, well, we'll talk, about, we'll talk yeah. about that and end the show. No, let's talk about let's let's talk about the what we're going to talk about, and then we'll talk about what we're going to talk about, and then we'll tell people what we talked about. Um, all right, so we do have a show for you here. We are going to talk about the Tilt's new research that has just been launched literally today, uh, in celebration of my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also going to talk about Twitter uh, and how they are launching some new features for marketers. And yes, again, I mean it seems like every week. We're, we're talking about uh, Twitter launching things. Then we'll talk a little bit about Meredith and, you know, some of the magazine companies out there that may be doing some interesting things, trying to evolve to digital in sort of interesting and eh, maybe not so great ways. Um, and then ConvertKit is also launching some new programs here for creators, and we'll talk a little about that. Uh, I will have some commentary uh, on Amazon and now how Amazon can be your dead grandma, uh, which is just fascinating to me. And then I'll also talk a little bit about CMOs uh, and how we're starting to see that become a more fractional type of job. And then, Joe, you're going to talk about what are you commenting on? Oh, just uh, yeah, about brands investment in different social platforms. I just wanted to talk about it because I don't get some of it, but. Because I want, I thought if I talked about it with you, especially on your birthday, you will point me in the right direction on my I, angst over this. There you go. Got, All right, thank fantastic. You. Yes. So, so, so Joe will be angsty. Ang- there we go. Angsty. A- this is the an- episode of angst. Angsty in two cups. <laughs> Another band name. I'm, I'll tell you right now, the picture for this episode is going to be Elmo. I don't care what. I don't. I don't care what you say. I don't care what I the love title it. is. If you can find Elmo wearing a birthday hat, it would be even oh, better. Elmo, let me write this down. Elmo with B day. I have to you write it down. You know what you should do is you should go to that. Um, I don't know if you have an account there, but that uh, Dolly, that uh, artificial intelligence. 
thing no. where you can actually tell it to to make a picture. Oh, it's it's apparently What's pretty that? cool. I How have not been able that? to get accepted yet. How do you spell it? It's a d d a l dash l e, I believe. Um, I, oh, I could I, be getting I that should, wrong. I should absolutely try that. I'll probably get yeah. some some guy named Elmo and not the yeah. Elmo, but. No, no, no! I guarantee you would get the right okay. Elmo. I'm gonna, get the, I'm gonna, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I should do that from now on. We'll see what happens. Maybe, yeah. Well, you gotta, get, you gotta get accepted. I haven't been accepted yet, so oh, so, you gotta get accepted. You know, yeah, because it's a beta thing, and you gotta actually get access. What is this? To it a talent show? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what do I have? How much more do I have to prove? It, you nothing. You you being Joe Polizzi would probably get right in because right to the front of the line because you, know, you are a, after all the Godfather or something. Yeah, you should get one for your birthday. You just, I should get one for my should, birthday. I'm gonna right. send. You know what I'm gonna do for you? I'm gonna send a note to the folks at Twitter, the folks that I know, and then in three years. Oh my God! Did you get me a blue check? Did you get me a blue check? Thank you. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> Sorry going to be that kind of show all right yeah. uh let's talk about your research because it's fat i got to i got a sneak peek copy of it and i got to read through some of it and the comparison my, my interesting thing was the comparison to last year which seems to be evolving quickly but but what what are the major points that uh, you're focused on yeah so basically we came up with our second annual uh creator economy research this is called the creator next door our you know Raven Research with you and yours and yours and my wonderful friend Claire McDermott helped us put this together. She did a fantastic job with it. We also had some great help from Ann Hanley and Brian Clark on getting this thing launched. Um, basically, I, I, there's a couple things that I wanted to chat with you about in this research. The one thing which really I didn't anticipate being a key research finding, but the the one only one percent regret their decision to become a content creator. It just fascinates. It's me. amazing. Yeah. And what's yeah. The interesting? We looked at all periods of of creators. So whether you just started as a content creator or whether you've been in it for ten years, just one percent <laughs> regret their decision. So these are like the most satisfied, you know, work people on the planet. Um, especially when you look at, they're not all making, you know, millions of dollars. You know, the average, if you look at the, I guess the median rate of, you know, 50,000 in revenue, since most of these aren't full-time content creators yet. So I just thought that that was interesting. The big number for me and the one that I've been using, and we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago was that full-time creators need roughly about 17 months to earn enough income to support one person. And that's where we get to the level of, yes, they really are a business. This is a content entrepreneur. They're actually making it happen. They're during, doing it. So they go about six months until they make dollar one, and then about 17 months, so you know, about a year later, and they get to the point where they can actually be self-sustaining with that. And again, you make smart decisions. Keep your costs down. Don't go and buy the, the latest uh, Tesla, if you will, and uh, and you can absolutely make it. The top motivator for full-time creators is absolutely independence. It's not about the money. Uh, they're in it to set their own schedule, their own goals, or, you know, figure out their career path. Independence is, is right there. Uh, we also ta- talked about the whole Web3 thing. Most of them have no clue what Web3 is. So... <laughs> So yeah, that's right. They can't. Yeah. They don't know what Web three is, and they can't uh, tell people what Web three is. So it's interesting that they're these content creators are so independent, but they're still really focused. And that's a, a lot of the 
you know, the headline research, if you will, is most of these content creators that we research that we surveyed feel that they're way too dependent on the big tech players like Meta and Google. So you would figure at some point they would say, well, what alternatives are out there? And there, of course, one of the alternatives is, is, hey, Web3, decentralized, maybe we should look at that. Um, and then the last thing, and I want to get your thoughts on some of these. So only this is hard for me to believe because I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in college. Uh, only 6% believe a college degree is required to succeed as a content creator. So I, I'm, and that, I don't know, do you, what do you think? <laughs> What do you think about the future of education when you have, you know, literally millions of content creators being born every day, if you will, worldwide, and a good portion of them, according to this, over 90% believe you don't need college? Well, I think it speaks to, you know, I mean... uh, So there's no surprise that the the world of, of, you know a higher education is in a world of hurt right now, right? In terms of look, seeing itself and, and people, you know, the consumer seeing it as a valuable thing. Um, you know, m- most young people these days don't see, really see the value in, in university education other than a, a way to saddle yourself with some big loans and ultimately have, you know, some letters after your name that may or may not get you a better interview for a job. And certainly not anything that's going to help you be a better entrepreneur or be a better content creator. Um, you know, just it's just it's so antiquated, right? I mean, you know, think about what would you even go to university to learn if you're a if you're a, if you're a content creator? Maybe something in the way of being you know a business skills, but even then, right? I mean, you know, most you know, when we celebrate sort of the, the, the today's modern entrepreneur, it's usually the dropout, right? It's usually the Mark Zuckerberg's of the world or the Bill Gates's of the world that are college dropouts. And so, you know, college university has a branding problem right now in the, in the worst way. But more importantly, I think it's, you know, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but when I moved from Los Angeles, or excuse me, from from Texas to Los Angeles, and I wanted to be a content creator, wanted to be a writer and a musician and, and all that stuff, I was like, I, I don't need a, you know, I, I don't even know what I would have gone to college for. I don't need a college degree to do this. What I learned was that a business degree, a marketing education would have, you know, and the foundational elements of that would have been invaluable in that, in that, in that world. So I l- actually learned that there was an education that was necessary, but I'm not necessarily sure that these days you need to get that education from, you know, from a formal university program because it can be gotten elsewhere. And honestly, probably in a, in a more modern and up-to-date way. So I think it speaks volumes to the value of where universities are right well, now. Well, it's interesting. It's, I, I I think we talked about this. This is years ago when my youngest was going into a high school honors program and the teacher there was talking about the fact that your kids don't need to know facts. They can get facts. Well, <laughs> a lot That's of, right. a yeah, lot of a, different places. It's like what they need to know what they need to know is how to critically think. That's, That's what right. they need to know. And that's what the whole program was about. And of course it got me right away. 
Like how how do you, how do you take all these facts and then you know deduce an argument from that, if you will? Um, but anyways, I, I just thought that was interesting. But what do you think about the seventeen month period? I mean, you work with obviously a lot of content marketers. I think that is that seventeen months. Would you say that? that's relevant to a content marketer as well until they get enough of the qualitative and quantitative measures to say that this content marketing program is working. And now I know you need it time for a sponsorship break. Be back in a bit. So the sponsor of this episode of this old marketing is Zapier. Now I've heard about Zapier because they sponsor quite a few of the podcasts that I listen to. So go podcast advertising. Anyway, as part of the sponsorship, they made a little ask of us to actually try using Zapier before we promote the heck out of it. Small enough ask, I thought. So basically, Zapier is supposed to help you be more productive by tying your apps together and creating simple tasks, which I learned are called Zaps. So I signed up. Now, for my Zap, I wanted to keep track of all my calendar appointments into a spreadsheet and then put the name of the person I'm meeting with, their email address, and the date together automatically. Now, I've always wanted to do this as part of lead scoring. Basically, a meeting with me means something important happened, and I wanted to keep track of this. It took me five minutes to set this up. Now, it automatically populates a spreadsheet for me, and believe me, If I can do this in five minutes, you can do it in three. It's super easy to understand. So now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm a believer. And I have a bunch of things I want to do with Twitter and Discord to help me be more productive. Seriously, check it out. Go to zapier.com slash T-O-M to try it today for free. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash T-O-M. And please use the code so they continue to sponsor this old marketing podcast. Thank you. And now back to the future award-winning marketing and media podcast, This Old Marketing. Thanks for listening. You know, I think it's, to me, it's more of a function of, (laughs) you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about for the last 10 years is consistency, right? And... The question is, is how, you know, in the, in the sort of philosophical sense of, you know, how many pebbles till you have a pile sort of thing? Um, you know, is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it five? Is it, you know, how many do you need until you actually have something that's substantive? And I, to me, what the 17 months represents is a level of commitment that speaks to being able to be consistent at doing the thing. Right. Because, you know, it, it may be there. I, I would very much doubt that there's any correlation between, you know, across industries and platforms and different business models that 17 months is sort of a magical number from how you how long you build, you know, how long it takes to build an audience, actually. But what I would definitely see and my my gut tells me is the right correlation is that 17 months is the right amount of time whether it's a business or a content creator that says they've worked the business into their process into their lifestyle they can be consistent at it that is something that is now part of what they do and and a and an important and holistic part of what they do because you know we can all do something for a couple of months 
and we can all do something for a couple of months and then let it lie fallow and then come back to it. You know, and how many times have we heard from content creators who have really struggled to say, oh, I just don't have the time to spend to this, my day job, my blah, 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 you know, rationalization after rationalization, some of which, by the way, are completely accurate, right? It's not that, you know, you, you, they, are, they are definitely priorities in your life. But once you have put this into as a priority of a business that you want to start, the most important thing is to be consistent at it over the long haul so that it becomes. And I think then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because once it becomes consistent in that 17th month is also the same amount of time that you have been able to find, the time that it takes to find whatever the right successful model is for you to earn enough money to consider yourself successful. I think that's the that's the nature of the 17. I love that it's by the way 17 months and not 18 months. Um, <laughs> because it's you know it's 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 just specific enough to be believable. <laughs> you know, well, thank you very much. Of, we made the, the length. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely uh, skewed that number down from 18 to 17 to make it work just for you. Mm-hmm. No, so anyways, thank the you. research is out. Um, pretty happy with the reception so far, but we're just trying to get, I'd love a content creator to look at this and the 17 month is so important to me because, Oh yeah, you have to tell them that they pretty much have to have backup resources, backup funds for 18 months, at least. That's a minimum, in my opinion, because you. I mean, build I on your the, runway. I, yep. I told the build story, on your runway. I told, yeah, for for yeah. me personally, it was about twenty two to twenty four months. So it was longer than that. Seven. If I'd have gone seventeen, I didn't have it. Wasn't ready yet. Didn't didn't have all the uh, the revenue sources and the business model figured out yet by that time. But you're right. The audience was building, and I was feeling good about it. And then you know, somewhere right after that time period, you 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 figure it out. Also, it's interesting because. Uh, we talked about before the show, Brian Piper and I are working on the new uh, version of Epic Content Marketing. It's got a great interview with Amanda Todorovich on how she built uh, Cleveland well, Clinic. Of course, yeah. you know, one of our favorite people of all time. And she's really yeah. taken health essentials at the Cleveland Clinic to the next next level. But if you look at how she built that whole thing, and now she's going, she's at 10 years, going on 10 years building that thing. I think something like a billion views this year she's going to get with all of the content right. that she's created. Yeah. But it started very simply with three people and it took her a couple years to figure out the process, to figure out what they were good at, to figure out, you know, how they do SEO and the between content creation and distribution and reuse of content. And when do you go back and update old content and all those things where you feel like you have a grasp of the business. So Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, speaking to some of the things that we talked about last week, you know, Cleveland Clinic, it started out as, you know, quite literally the brand going, hey, we should do something, we should do a blog for our brand. Yeah. I mean, it was that ridiculous. It's, that's right? how I it mean, usually it was, starts, you know, right? A small project. Yeah, exactly. This is a small little thing that we want to see if we can create some value in our community and create some, you know, a good thing. And we want to do this, you know, this good thing for the brand and it probably won't be much money and much effort. And, you know, what Amanda did was just sort of, you know, take that, she took that bone and ran with it. Right. I mean, it was, you know, she just really just, you know, just absolutely dove in and, 
really created something quite magical. And, and it was the work and the consistency of the work and constant effort and focus to make it something more, to make it something more. And now you're right. Like you're, you know, she's now, I think her team is now 90 people or something. It's like, it's crazy. It's even, crazy. Yeah, I the think success they're even they going to, they're, they're, oh. the, the thing that I didn't realize was she was making incremental hires and changes and growing this thing year after year after year. And then the CEO became a full believer right. in this. Because you yeah. talk about this when you make the business case for content marketing. The the CEO then says, all right, well, this is all wonderful, but I want to be the number one go-to resource yeah, exactly. in the world. How do right. we make that happen? And went to Amanda and said, how do we make that happen? Do you have an idea? And Amanda said, sure, I have an idea and he says well bring it back to me in the next couple of days and we'll see if we can approve it and she's taken aback she's like are you kidding me so she goes back and she she puts together her dream scenario of what it would take to become the number one leading informational expert around these health issues in the world and she had no idea it was going to get approved and it did yeah, yeah. and she's like oh my gosh i can't believe it but the, it took eight years for her to get there to that point. Yeah. And that's what you said. And it's so funny. 10 years is such a difference. You know, when we, when we started, you know, I started writing this when we were, you and I wrote managing content marketing. Really, we were talking about, oh, here's how you have to show the chief marketing <laughs> right. officer and the CEO right. and they don't believe yeah. it and they'll never get it. Well, now, today, most of them get it. Most of them yeah. understand the power of they content do. because they're consumers of that content and they get that. They just don't know how to operationalize it. Yes, that's exactly right. It's exactly right. It's, it's, you know, it's be careful over what you're making the business case for, right? It's, you know, it's, you are not making the business case for content because honestly, they already get it. You're walking into that CEO's or CFO's office and, and they're, they're looking for how do we actually do this in a meaningful way, right? In, in other words, don't don't make the business case to stand up a, a mom and pop shop. Make the business case to take your mom and pop shop and turn it into Amazon. Yep, absolutely. And and get and then and then you do that, and then you realize that in a complex organization, there's a lot of moving parts. Oh, that it takes. You just gracious. have to set yes. the right expect. Yeah. I think if you do that and set the right expectations, you can be successful. Absolutely. But you absolutely have to have C level support. But that C level support is definitely there today where it wasn't, you know, 10, 11 years ago, which they didn't get yeah. it at all. Now they do. That's right. So that's right. Anyway. So thank you for anyway. all the help. Well, congratulations. Yep. I'm glad. Yeah, it's absolutely. Out there. Congratulations. The show notes, spread it around. I think it's an important piece that will hopefully help creators and content marketers kind of take the next step in their careers yeah, and their absolutely. journeys. So Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to our, I guess, first news story uh, of it. And it it's, comes to us courtesy of Media Post. Uh, once again, the news about Twitter and they're launching, they, they seem to be every week launching a new tool or a new, you know, solution of some kind. They're doubling down as, uh, you know, as Elon sort of circles around. Exactly. Like it. It, there's 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 some kind of metaphor there or joke there, but I'm not gonna two cups I think two cups probably, yeah, yeah. Is what we, two cups two cups Elon um, all right 
Twitter to launch branded likes and campaign planner, says uh, the Marketing Daily at Media Post. Twitter continues to step up the introduction of tools and services that advertisers can use to create engagement and plan performance. The company will launch a custom like animation for tweets that brands can create through the ads manager. The name of this creation, branded likes, uh, will become available to all advertisers in the U.S., the United Kingdom, and Japan next week. Um, I... You know, well, I'll go off on a little bit of a rant about, you know, this kind of thing, (laughs) why we need an animated like button. But all right. Um, More to the point of sort of the uh, usefulness is their new campaign planning tool, their campaign planner, uh, which is now available to all managed advertisers in the U.S., U.K., and Japan. Um, I don't know why those are the three only countries that they're, I don't know, anyway. With this tool, advertisers can forecast reach, impressions, average frequency, CPM against specific audiences, campaign duration, frequency uh, placement, and of course, obviously budget. You can get a forecast of what your campaign might look like and do with this campaign planning tool. It reminds me very much of some of the campaign planning tools that you've got in Google search. If you go and do Google search campaigns, um, this is now also going to be available for those. And they're uh, also, this comes in context with what we talked about last week, obviously, which is the feature to eliminate some of the constraints around uh, 280 characters to get into long form content. So uh, any take on this? I, I have a short take on this, but uh, yeah, cr- what do you, what do you think about Twitter? Quick take is, as we talked uh, continuing from last week, they're literally just unloading every idea they've ever had <laughs> and they it's funny they must That's have a had point. an all hands yes. meeting and said remember all yes. those ideas that we shelved as <laughs> yeah. we were getting ready for sale exactly. uh well right. <laughs> they're all yeah. back on the board Bring them out because we've got 14 billion dollars in market cap to make up so Right, right. That literally, when, that's what it feels like. And then you feel like there's some developer in the back of the room who raises his or her hand and, and sort of says meekly, what about that animated like heart button thing that we did like was really silly? Do that one too. Dude, yeah, Could get you, that no, one out there no, too. Can't Let's you do- see the person at the front? Like, and that person, the, there's the person raised their hand, says about, hey, what, the animated like thing. And the guy, the guy or gal at the, at the top is going, yes, 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 yes. That's the type of ideas I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right, exactly. You, you are employee of the month. Oh my go, gosh. Go. Do, you, do you remember, do you remember the movie, uh, Get Him to the Greek? Yes. So when they're in that record company meeting and he's like, he's like, you sold 2,000 units. It only sold two thousand units. He's like, I'm proud of those units. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely proud of those units. Those two thousand units. <laughs> anyway, it's very, very obscure scene from a very obscure movie, but it, that's what it reminds me it's, of. That's that's pretty good. So basically, campaign planner. I, I would imagine that there'll be an API that can work into some of the other dashboards, uh, campaign planner dashboards. If that's the case, it's probably going to be very useful. The uh, custom like animations is is just like throwing a hail mary. Let's see if they work. Uh, whatever. Well, here is here is one here is one idea that I had because there is this little known feature in Twitter that I didn't even know about till I started researching this story. Have you heard of the feature called brand notifications? No, I have not. Tell me. So there is a feature in Twitter. Get this. It's it's this is this is really relevant to our audience. The brand notifications, which is available through a third party called Arrow which does scheduled notifications. What you can do with brand notifications is you tweet out something where a like equals an opt-in. 
And what happens is, is like I tweet out, hey, like this tweet to opt in to hear about when we launch our website or we launch our new product or, you know, we've released this new research. And so people that go and like that tweet are then opted in automatically so that when you're ready to launch your research, you tweet about it and they immediately get an at mention. Everybody who liked the tweet gets an at mention saying, hey, the, re- the website's live, the research is now available, all that sort of thing. So it's like building in sort of this Twitter opt-in list. And I was like, that's really cool. And actually now I can see a useful utility for that animated like thing because that'll call a little more attention to it and show that it's a little different. And it's like, oh, well, that that's kind of interesting. But I never even knew that this brand notification thing was a thing. <laughs> There's so many. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's so many things, and that's why that's the problem. Twitter has all these little things that they're working on, but it's like, what is it now? Maybe to your point last week about them actually whether they're going toward that super app idea, but it really, it really is starting to feel that if you are a content creator, content marketer, that you could use Twitter as sort of your home base. Yeah, as you, the email, yeah. as a, I can. It's I, starting to get to I that. I can create the audience through the either the short or the longer tweets. I can build my podcast out. They're moving in that direction outside of Twitter Spaces. You could do your email newsletter, which is moving from review to whatever it's called now. I don't. What was it? What's Twitter's email thing? Yeah, review. Yep. Okay. Review. I didn't know if they changed. R-E-V-U-E. I didn't know yep. if they changed the. Well, I don't think that they've that changed one. the name just yet, but they. The, it it was review and now they've moved it into Twitter or something like that. Yeah. And then we and then we talked about last week the financialization of Twitter payments processing systems whatever and they're 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 getting there. This yeah this thing not so much. Are. Well, this report it, I, just, I think it's just and Twitter has another release out. Great, good for yeah, them. Exactly. Congratulations. Exactly. Well, the funny thing is, is that I, as I said in my news item this week. Uh, that I was writing for my post, you know, in any normal tech company, all this would be really good news, right? But because they're under this sort of, you know, very foggy sort of haze uh, of of Elon and and now Trump is is actually you know appealing his decision about getting his lawsuit dismissed about getting kicked off the platform. There's all this sort of just underlying crap that they have to deal with that that all of this is just sort of like if it weren't for us talking about it ain't nobody talking about it yeah it's it's interesting and then of course we haven't even mentioned but tiktok is which i'll talk about in my commentary tiktok is eating the world at this point so oh yeah absolutely all right Absolutely. All right. Quickly, we'll cover one more other story before we get to rants and raves here. And that is just a big, and I love this story mostly because it uh, speaks to print, uh, which is something that you, Joe, have a big passion for. Um, of all places, this is coming courtesy of the Des Moines Register, uh, which is not a paper that we're going to reference very By often. By the way, Des Moines show, is a wonderful it, city. Oh, Des Moines is a great I city. Love downtown uh, Des I Des love Des Moines. Yeah. yeah, Des Moines is a great city. Love Des Moines. Um, and the headline here is Dot Dash Meredith's Better Homes and Gardens and People Magazines Temporarily Halting Some Print Subscriptions. Now, I have a take on this, and I want to get yours too, Joe. But basically, the article opens up by saying magazine publisher Dot Dash Meredith has temporarily stopped sending print editions of People, Better Homes and Gardens to some subscribers, citing a tight paper market, supply chain, and other things, I'm so sure. The New York-based company, which maintains an office campus in downtown Des Moines, sent postcards, which, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <There> <laughs> yeah. 
sent postcards to some readers this week telling them that they would not receive print editions of the magazines in the coming months. The company has offered those readers free subscriptions to digital editions of the magazine. The company spokesperson said in an email Friday that Dot Dash Meredith stopped some distribution to a limited number of people and Better Homes and Gardens subscribers because of a temporary global paper shortage. The subscribers involved represent about 7% of the company's total print subscriber base, the spokesperson said. Uh, basically, that's the end of the article. It does go on a little bit around uh, how paper shortages are impacting other publishers, etc. But I definitely have a take on this that's even broader than. No, the I want to hear. I want. World. I want to hear your take. Let, let's let's hear it. Go ahead. Okay, so to me, there there is a trend going on right now in brands, and I was actually having a really interesting discussion on Facebook with a good friend, um, good friend of the show, Mitch Joel, and we were talking about travel because right now travel, business travel especially, is just broken. Um, it's just really broken. And the problem that we see is that you see some airlines doing things like limiting the time that, you know, frequent flyers can spend in the clubs, you know, in the clubs, which is, of course, a, you know, in, for some business travelers who live their life on the road, as home away from home is the airline club. But now, you, you know, some, some uh, airlines are, you know, seeing much increased uh, travel from vacationers. And so the families, there are more families than loners with laptops, as I call those business travelers, um, sitting in these clubs and taking up space and eating, you know, and drinking all the stuff. And, and so they're, they're limiting the time. You go to a hotel these days and it's like you have to opt in literally every day that you want your room cleaned. You have to remember to ask for it because they just no longer do that any longer, citing staff shortages, et cetera. The restaurant's not open as long as it used to be. Um, there are services that are just being cut down and cut away from frequent travelers that is really sort of really ruining the customer experience, especially for those that have sort of experienced it for so long in business travel. This, to me, is a very similar thing where one of the trends that I think is so interesting, and somebody should write a book or a paper on this, because there is the, you know, all of the pivots and changes that we had to make because of lockdown and COVID and the pandemic and everything that's happened over the last couple of years that have been like, yes, digital transformation, optimizing digital experiences, making things easier, you know, curbside, you know, services, new services, all the kinds of things that we're doing. But there's also been a interesting trend, I think, and and I very it's a it's a very rough way to describe it. But basically, the what we can get away with trends as well. In other words, because we can start to save costs, and we recognize during lockdowns that we can save a lot of costs by not cleaning all the rooms that need to be cleaned in a hotel, because we can shorten the hours of the restaurant. Uh, we can, you know, basically decrease the average number of people in the clubs for consumption. We can do all these things. And in this case, basically, it's a test, you know, for the for uh, Dot Dash Meredith to say, huh, I wonder how many people would actually not care if they get their print magazine anymore. Like, they wouldn't be happy about it, but they're not going to unsubscribe because of it. In other words, how far can we degrade the customer experience before people start caring? That's, I think, an interesting trend that's going on right now in business is, is sort of this calculus of saying, how much can we actually degrade the experience for customers before we get to a point where people won't buy it any longer? And that's a, it's an interesting sort of uh, trend as we look at inflation and everything else that's causing things to be more expensive. 
because what it does is that we can obfuscate it, right? We can obfuscate it in messaging to say, hey, it's about supply chain. It's about lockdown. It's about safety. It's about all these things. And companies are testing these things. I think in completely the wrong way because what they're starting to do is institutionalize poor customer experience. And I think it provides, a, it's a flawed strategy for these larger brands because the what happens out of this is that smaller companies will come in and disrupt it with better customer experience. So mm-hmm. I just think it's a really interesting thing to observe right now where we start seeing these brands doing things like, let's just let's just test taking something away from customers and see how, how much they bitch about it and, and see if we can't save a few bucks in the process. I think that's an interesting take. I never thought about this when I read this article from the Des Moines Register. So I, I well, that, what struck me about it was, is that they're not doing it for everybody. They're doing it for 7% or whatever of the, of the subscribers. So basically you're saying they're clearly a test. They're testing. It's clearly an AB test. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised specifically dot dash Meredith. I can't get used to that. Meredith. It's not dot dash Meredith. What? I know. Meredith is a great brand. Yeah. Um, Dot dash is a, you know, hundred percent digital publisher before they bought Meredith, I believe. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of print that's under this digital umbrella, if you will. And I wouldn't be surprised with what you're saying. My bigger concern here is that the inflation hitting print and postage is a thing. It's a real thing. And I understood. I I don't know. No, no, I'm, no, I'm agreeing with, with you. I'm yeah. saying I, yeah. I'm, I'm concerned as a lover of print media as you're a brand, you're a content creator, you have an opportunity to deliver a, a, a lean back experience, you know, instead of lean forward, like, okay, what's my answer? A lean back is I'm going to experience this content and it's going to hit me with, you know, all kinds of new questions I can ask. That's why I love the print media. You, you're cut off from anything, anything else that's hitting you from an electronic standpoint or notifications on your phone or whatever. It, it can be a, a truly separate experience that you can create for your reader you're getting into some cost structures that might not be even possible going into the future because of this uh, of, because of a print increase doubled with a postage increase that's yep. that's coming and it's concerning that print as we knew it is going away now that said we're expecting or i'm expecting that the holiday season for amazon and walmart and others is going to be huge from the print catalog standpoint because they can actually track it. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. And then, of yep. course, QR codes are back. Just take a QR code right? of this thing and you yeah. can buy it in two seconds. So that integration is amazing. But I think from a purely, you know, I'm subscribing to this educational or entertaining publication, it's going to be very hard for publishers like Dot Dash or digital publishers specifically to justify that, especially if they do this test run. And it says, oh, they'll just pay for the digital or they've got an iPad or whatever. And, of course, we don't have to charge them as much, but we lose all this cost. Yep. So, you know, it's it's fascinating to me because one of the – so I did a little more digging into the travel stuff as I was having this conversation with with Mitch. And, and, you know, what we're starting to see is the rise of these disruptive small – 
companies. It's like there's one in particular called JSX, and I don't get any money from them or anything. I'm just mentioning them because they, they came top of mind. But JSX is this small little airline that flies out of small airports. There's, they fly out of two, LAX and, and Burbank here in LA. Now, they only go, they're private jets. They're small sort of, you know, 25 to 50-seater jets that go, you know, up the coast of San Francisco or to Oregon or Washington or as far east from here as Dallas, right? And the price of that experience for a business traveler is about 25% more than the average plane fare. And, but with that, you get a business class experience. You don't have to go through TSA because it's a private jet and you basically pull up, they valet your car, you get on the jet, you go. And so if I'm going to San Francisco for business, or if I'm going to San Francisco or Dallas or, you know, Arizona or Vegas or anything like that, all of a sudden that makes a way more sense to me. And this, the viability of that completely depends on the degradation of the service that airlines are providing to business travelers. So I think you're going to start to see that in other industries as well, where this time, you know, and you and I talked about this at great length, you know, this churn of this time in the economic space is where we see new innovative things come out. And I think that's a good thing. And we're going to start to see that more and more. As a, as a standard brand, as a big brand, I just think it's an interesting lesson that they've never, that, that they seem to never learn, that we never seem to learn as big brands to say, you know, you can use this time to completely degrade the service to find out what you can get away with, or you can use this time to actually start to build something new and innovative to see what you can actually do to differentiate. Sure. That's, that, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, and, but you're right, especially in times of desperation you don't think about increasing the customer experience when if we did we yeah, have it's a great so rare yeah it's yeah. so rare true so rare true, true, true. um all right now it is time for our rants and rave section as we get to the end of this uh episode here and it's a time for joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave to make us feel like oh we're either maverick or rooster have you seen the movie uh yes did you like oh my it? God, isn't it amazing? I oh, I'm so it. glad you liked it because I wasn't oh, sure. It was so great. If you would. It was so great. It was so much fun. And by the way, I'm never going to see a movie again without that. Um, we, you know, we rented, as you know, we That's rented right. out the theater. Um, and it's an AMC theater with the lean back seats and the nice comfortable things. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was relatively expensive, but for a big blockbuster movie, I never want to see another movie in any other way. I, it was so much fun. Nobody in the theater except us. It was great. Nobody talked. There, you know, you didn't have, you know, all these people around you that are talking or on their phone or all that. It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, but it was, it was yeah. I mean, you're saying it was expensive, but you didn't have a ton of people. I mean, you could have invited a hundred more people. Oh, you could have totally. Yeah, you can. Do, you can absolutely defer those costs, yeah. right? You know. So, I mean, basically, I could have up. You know. It could have been just me, quite honestly, but you can have up to 40 people and it was 300 bucks. It was 300 bucks for the, to, to rent out the theater. And now I had to go at an odd time, but other than that, it was, it was just, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I never want to see another big blockbuster movie any other way. I'm just, <laughs> by the way, spoiled just, now. Uh, Maverick just passed 1 billion in global. I know, it's amazing. And that's the first time a Tom Cruise movie has ever done that. It's amazing, and it is so well-deserved. It is such a fun ride. It is a fun, fun—it's cheesy, it's sappy, it's 
everything Top Gun the original was and more. It's it's just and he so good. Is, he looks oh he, he looks I'm, like he's thirty five. It's just wrong. It, yeah, it's just wrong. He's it, it's just wrong. He's my age, right? So it, it's like it, it's just wrong that he's that uh, that old it, and looks was, that good. Prof G was talking about it because he loved the movie as well. That he said he said why didn't they have Meg Ryan or Kelly McGillis in the movie because they look their age. Tom Cruise does yeah. not. So yeah. it's terrible, but I don't know what he's done. And <laughs> yeah. Prop Jesus he's made he some made sort of deal with the devil. With the that's for sure. Prince, the Prince of Darkness, whatever yeah. he did. Probably true. No. Nope. All right. You want me to go first on this? Uh, oh, rant let me, let me go real quick. I, I just, All right. it's yeah. e-marketer uh, took this study. This is just from a couple months ago. And it's, it's about social platforms used by U.S. marketers for influencer marketing and what the trends are going to be. And it goes from, you know, 2020 up to what we think is going to happen in 2025. There's just a couple of things. 84% by 25 are going to be on Instagram. Maybe we should just look at what they're doing now for 23. 76% planning on using Instagram. 49% on to TikTok. The fastest growing areas are both those. The slowest growing are, you know, Twitter. Not much growth there. A little bit of growth on YouTube, but for sure it's, it's all video going on. And my, what my question, Robert, and you don't have to answer this. When I saw this one, I'm like, are these brands really creating consistent video strategies on these platforms? Or are they just doing interruptive advertising? Like that's what, that's what we don't know. I, because it's it includes both paid and unpaid companies with more than a hundred plus employees. I think most of this is paid. I think you're probably right that it most of it is paid. Um, and additionally, there's another category in that Venn diagram of paid and unpaid, which is bad unpaid content, right? You know what I mean? In other words, very promotional unpaid content, which I see all the time on TikTok. Yeah. You know, which is like, you know, it, it, it is an influencer, quote unquote, content marketing, quote unquote, video, but it, it it's so promotional and over the top. You're like, all right, you know, really? And, and you know, it's so, I think it, marketers are likely to really look at TikTok Unfortunately, in the same way that they looked at YouTube, which is it becomes a dumping ground for all of our video. And and because it's got the word video in it, we think, ah, but then it's great. We'll just put all our video there. It's like, yeah, there is no, you know, with, you know, with no strategy comes no success. So it will be it will be very interesting to see the rise of paid as sort of the way to pierce that noise, the way to pierce the algorithm and, and see what actually happens. The other thing is, is that, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, as you always talk about the idea of rented land. And it's like, okay, let's go build this big audience on TikTok, And then all of a sudden somebody goes, ah, we're going to take that away. And you're not left with anything. So Pulling them into your owned media spheres is going to be hugely important. It's, it's interesting that I think about. I mean, I guess we could be wrong. I mean, we've been talking about the whole rented land thing forever. But if you look at this huge growth in the creator economy and all these people running to these platforms, they're not run. They're not going out for the most part and creating email newsletters and building websites. They're they're creating their content on a social media property. They're building followers there, and. 
their livelihoods are, it's almost like working for someone else because their livelihoods are totally controlled by that platform. That's why True. we talk about diversification of revenue so fast and trying to move that from rented to something that you can control. Well, but it's concerning. Know, it's concerning. You no, know, no, no. You know, here, here's the interesting thing. And you won't be able to really study this for some time. But here's my hypothesis is that the short-term uh, sort of content creator builds a house on rented land and then ultimately, if they don't evolve, then fails. In other words, if we, if we start looking at those that survive, the sort of, you know, from good to great, right, yeah. idea of, of, of the content entrepreneur, I would hypothesize that the good to great content entrepreneur is one who evolves into owned media and that's the sustaining factor that's the that's the ability to sustain it's like if you want to spike up and become an influencer on social media it's relatively straightforward to go build a million people you know to your tiktok audience it's an entirely other thing to transfer that million people into something that's a sustaining business that's i think you're absolutely right i mean when we we heard uh our good friends uh, Wally and Amanda at, uh, yeah. at Creator Economy right. Expo talk about Perfect accidentally example. Wes Anderson say that same thing. They 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 stay up at night and they're concerned about that. They've got over a million followers on Instagram, and but they're moving that slowly to their website and email newsletter, and they're making that transition. Yep. John Lee Dumas is another yep. one, another great example exactly. of that. Yeah. Entrepreneurs on fire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. All right, what's uh, what's your Right, I have two very, two very, very quick things um, to, that we'll link in the show notes here. The first is um, I just, I mean, this is, uh, it's just crazy to me, but there is a new situation here with uh, Amazon. Um, <laughs> it's hard to believe that this actually exists, but it does. Um, and we'll link to the Variety article that talks about this. Basically, Amazon now has a feature on the Alexa uh platform that basically allows you to play Alexa, the voice of anybody and basically your dead grandmother or your, you know, your passed away father or whoever it is. And then using AI, it will then transform Alexa's voice into that voice so that theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, you're and, and this is what the demo actually shows is a young boy saying basically, can grandma finish reading me The Wizard of Oz? Oh my and, god. And so your dead grandmother starts to read you the story. That to me is just I, I think we've reached peak uh sort of silliness when it comes to this kind of thing. They already have, by the way, voice synthesized uh for Shaquille O'Neal, Melissa McCarthy, and a number of other celebrities. But uh yeah, this one this one is really just sort of That's out not there. too far so, away from uh from the movie Her. Where, yeah, and it's just they were taking they well they were taking like famous scholars and putting all their works on you know using AI and then that person would talk you know you could you could talk with that person at any time and they would continue to learn and communicate with other people but they were totally not a person. So, yeah, that's oh, right. Are, that's right. And really I believe, I believe, um, I certainly know this was true in the documentary that Val Kilmer um, in his documentary much of his voiceover was actually done by an AI. Is that right? Um, oh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then I think I think I read this. I may be getting this wrong, so big old caveat star here. Um, but I believe the voice in uh, in in Maverick. No spoiler alerts here, but Val Kilmer's in the movie. Um, I think that when he speaks, it's actually AI. I think it's actually uh, not his really. Real I thought voice. that was I thought that was him, but yeah. Um, all right. The last quick article is from the Wall Street Journal, and I just wanted to link the article more than anything else because I think it's a really interesting trend, which is uh, top marketers are seeing the value in part-time fractional CMO jobs, and it's basically the rise of the fractional CMO. We've talked at some length on this show before, I, I have anyway, about the shortening tenure of CMOs and how that might not actually be a bad thing. But it might actually be that CMOs are becoming like football coaches in the NFL where, you know, they're good for a few years and then you just have to get fresh blood in there. And so the idea of a fractional CMO um, is actually a really interesting idea as, you know, the main part of your creative and marketing talent. So I just linked to the article. One of the things this this happened in the experience advisors community, actually, uh, uh, one of the community members, Andrea, actually said, well, what what does this mean for marketing? You know, just, you know, team loyalty and employee loyalty and team building and all that sort of thing. And I actually looked it up. So the average tenure of a CMO right now is 40 months. So just a little over three years. The average tenure of a marketing practitioner right now is 2.6 years. So interestingly, there's less loyalty from the marketing practitioner side than there even is on the CMO side. So it may be, and this is the broader trend I think is a question. I have no conviction on this, but I just think it's an interesting question. It may be that marketing full stop is a fractional role within business. In other words, we start bringing in teams, special free agents and all those things to win Super Bowls. And then we sort of rebuild the team in a fractional way. And a lot of what we see is now independent people becoming marketers um, and uh, moving from company to company instead of, you know, instead of agencies. I think it's a really interesting thing to watch. Interesting. Well, especially there's so many openings right now. And I mean, oh, it's so many openings. There's, yeah. It's definitely a buyer's market when it comes to looking for a marketing job. So there, yes. there you go. There you go. All right. Interesting. Well, how yes. are you going to spend? I know you're taking a couple of days off. You're, I am. You I am going to take a couple of days off here and then get into the long weekend and, and then come back all rested and fresh for Tuesday. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, and basically I'm just going to go to the beach. I'm going to the beach with my wife. We're going to hang out. I'm going to drink a lot of tequila, walk on the beach, do some things, maybe go out on a boat, you know, all that sort of thing. I just... Just basically step away from anything digital for, for about four or five days. Well, that's good for you. Just don't go out on a yeah. nice float. And you? Because... How are you going to celebrate my birthday? Um, I am, what am I going to do? I'm going to the Cleveland Guardians game today, actually, is oh, what, nice. I'm, what I'm going to do. Very nice. Yes, it's, it's a beautiful day in Cleveland, Ohio. We're going to go out and enjoy some baseball. I have a date to the game. That date is my wife. Yay. Yes. And, and you just celebrated an anniversary. We did. Yes, she yeah. has. Yeah, basically, I, I just she put up with you another. I just year. shake my That's head amazing. in disbelief that she just continues yeah. to double down on me, and uh, <laughs> I, I tell her her decision making. I don't, I don't know. Faulty. I don't know if it's doubling down as much as it is not chasing bad money after good. I think is the uh... well, true. But she's also probably exhausted. She's like, you know what? Yeah, You're true. good enough. Exactly. It's it's yeah. just easier. It's you know, I mean, we're like this with our like our used car. You're like you're just easier. It's easier not making right. a change. You don't want to go That's through right. the hassle of all the you know getting That's the new right. insurance and changing the plates and the new sticker. Exactly. It just 
stick just with what you pain got. in the ass. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's it. Okay. Well, enjoy all the rest right. of your birthday, my friend. Thank you very, very much. And, and, and thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope you all have a wonderful long weekend. Um, and uh, especially for those of you, obviously, in the U.S. who will be celebrating Independence Day. Um, that is it. We're signing off. In the meantime, if you want to see all the show notes or anything like that of this goodness uh, of the podcast, then you can get all of those episodes, including the other, if you feel like listening and binge listening to all the other 329 episodes, get on over to our site, thisoldmarketing.site. You can do things like leave us a review. You can convince other people to subscribe to this thing. Um, all those things. Remember the Twitter questions. Special thanks to Heath Dingwell at Heath Dingwell on Twitter for sending us over some show stuff uh, we recorded early this uh this week uh, heath so didn't get a lot of those stories in but thanks to all of you for posting show ideas and uh, story ideas we really love it hashtag us up at this old marketing on twitter and until we meet again next week remember it is your story to tell tell it well see you next week on this old marketing <laughs>